That dirty bounty is saying, come out now and fight! You need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah, looking in the mirror. Be a dog. Whatever happens in Leash, it's always a scandal. Why do you think that was? Probably because we're always drinking and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no smoke without fire, that goes to light. I met Tommaso Shea one day and he said, I'm sick of that northern crowd. He said if they went set dancing twice a week, we'd all be set dancing twice a week. I can remember a lad, Jay Booth, right? And he was getting sick, right line like that, <laughs> looking at me like, and I'm going, this is not helping me here. Every man, woman and monkey in me all is, is nearly writing them off. Shake the bucket! All right, you're very welcome along to our panel this afternoon. Uh, up for discussion, Rory McIlroy and getting stuck in a rut. How do you get out of it? Rafa Benitez, what's the big deal about Rafa's comments this week? And uh, Queen's Park Rangers players apparently on the complete batter in Dubai while they were supposed to be there for warm weather training. On our panel this afternoon, Roddy Collins, the Athlone Town Manager, Anthony Moyles, former Mead captain and uh, writer, Owen Butler. You can check out owenbutler.com for uh, the best of his work. Roddy, warm weather training, was that um, a stable in the... Well, uh, yeah, it is a difficult time because you get very thirsty on, you know. <laughs> or, yeah, I keep, I'm always getting that one. Yeah, you know, like, it's it's a it's a difficult situation because you go to Dubai, 40 degrees, you train really, really hard, so you get really thirsty, you know. And water's not really... It doesn't do it, now. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> do it when you're 50 miles away from home, you know. Not the right electrolytes. <laughs> Well, look, I don't know. I mean, we, we read it in the paper this morning. You'll take notice of it if they get relegated. If they survive, it'll be the best trip they ever had. So, you know, something to write about. Uh, Anthony, the whole idea of bringing a team away, um, you know, you can't treat players like kids. That that's We keep hearing this. You can't treat them like kids. And then it turns out that um, everybody behaves like children. We're free at 10 o'clock in the morning. The 90-minute training session is over. Uh, Redknapp says, oh, we worked on like a dog for 90 minutes. And then they had the rest of the day free to do what they wanted. They just had to be at training the next morning at half eight. Yeah, um, it's a tricky one. We've we've gone on a few of these. You know, the, it, the GAA had them there. We went to Villamora a few times, you know. And uh, I have to say, they are, when they're done well, they're an excellent idea. You know, especially if you're in a bit of a rut, like QPR obviously are. Yeah. Uh, and you need to get away. You need to kind of... You know, get lads kind of their minds reset, um, build a bit of team spirit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now you'd say, okay, professional sport, do they really need to do it? But at the same time, you know, they just need to get away, change the scenery. Um, you know, I won't say we were, you know, stuck in every night. Uh, we had a few nights out. One, one in particular, we kind of had a bit of an impromptu night out, and. Uh, they're, no, the be- they're the best ones. They are the best ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went actually down to Villamore. I don't know, if plenty of people probably know Villamore. There's a little port there, and we went down. There's a few bars and everything else. And we kind of started off, and we said, oh, we'll just have the, just have the one pint. And then we said, actually, we'll have another one. Are you captain at this stage? <laughs> no. <laughs> I could've, actually, I could have been. <laughs> but I remember it was under Colin Coyle. Coyler was the manager at the time. And... Uh, we actually knocked it on the head about maybe half eleven, twelve o'clock. So we got back. We were we were all right, like we maybe five or six pints ish. But we came back. We came back in different taxis. So of course, some lads decided to go right in. It was the Browns uh, kind of set up there where the, a number of soccer clubs and rugby clubs have gone. Excellent, excellent facilities, but. We decided, oh, being cute, we'd actually get a taxi to stop about 100 metres from the entrance and we'd get over this gate. And of course, we thought, we're home and dry here. The lads are going, the main entrance are going to be nabbed. So we're going down the side and, of course, there's Coiler walking towards us. 
So that was it. So uh, he actually he went he went he went pretty mental at the time. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. He at did. that precise moment or the next morning? No, no, no. He called us the next morning. Um, I think I, I think I could have been captain. Or I was I was vice captain, but he stripped me of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said that's it because I remember we came back and we played a challenge match against Armagh. It was just pre-championship, and I was a sub and I had lost the captaincy. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty. It was pretty serious. And like I mean, it wasn't. What we weren't mental, you know. Like it wasn't. It wasn't a completely. Like it wasn't it was six a, in the morning, and I, no. And we did a number of the new lads. Thankfully, <laughs> we had a number of the young, younger lads with us because <laughs> it kind of softened the blower, saying, "Oh, it was team bonding." You know, we were bringing the young lads out. But uh, no, I'd have to say, you know, if you're going and, and going at it from ten o'clock in the morning or eleven o'clock or lunchtime or something, and like that's just that's that's ridiculous. You yeah. Know? Like I mean, we got up every morning. We trained twice a day. Like we trained in the morning, then we went off, had our lunch, then we came back, and we either did another pitch session or a gym session. Like we trained very hard for the five or six days and it made it benefited us like we got to the All-Ireland semi-final that year um, and, and how did say, their relationship with Coyler work out in the end like, ah, look, I just apologised to him a, a lot and then a number of lads I'm sorry I'm sorry every time I saw him but no he ended up forgiving me like Coyler is you know like I mean Coyler <laughs> would have had a bit of that in him I suppose before but at the same time he said look you can't you know, do this. You know, I asked you not to go out, and we did it. So we broke the rules. And but to be fair, he uh, he said, "Okay, look, you know, you owe me." And uh, I tried to repay him as much as I could that year. Yeah, you can use it, but can I just tell a story? On <coughs> I had that one night. Um, I was in Carlisle, um, a small place. We weren't doing particularly well, and the new chairman's son was over, and we lost the game. And when we lost the game, the lads weren't allowed to go out. So the chairman's son said, to me, "Well, can you bring me out?" And I, Okay, I'll bring him out. So, Ryan, we miss. I'm bringing this lad for a point. Brown for a point. Then he wants to go to a nightclub. So I walked into the nightclub. And there was the whole crew sitting in the in the, in the a little alcove, you know. So I went in and kept the cool, you know. Called the captain over. What's the crack? He says, Rod, uh, blah 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 blah, you know. So anyway, I bought them around to see what they're all drinking, and uh, left them till Tommy in bed by one a.m. Everybody in bed by one. Went home, one a.m. Couldn't sleep. Got up. Got back into my car, drove back down, went in the nightclub, and they were all there. And when I walked in, there was a scatter. There was a scatter, they all ran, but there was about four of them in the alcove, just couldn't move. And there was a very, uh, very, very famous uh, girl of a girl band there sitting with them, with one of the lads, you know. But anyway, so to heal the hunt, I went in, one of them got a route up the arse in the toilet, he got one. Um, Another fella got a big slap on the head, hiding behind the sofa. <laughs> I remember calling him, and I walked in, and there's this fella, and I see the top of the head, right? he got a slap on the head. Right? So in the end, anyway, so I sorted out, but like, like, like your apologies, yeah. the next day they came as a group and said, we're sorry, blah, blah, and that was it. But when the season came round and we finished up, we we, we we done well, we had a little bit of a break-up, and they were all laughing. When I kicked your man, rooted him, <laughs> and slapped your man, there was four of them in a cube in the toilet. <laughs> Don't even breathe before you jump here, you know. So, like it, it was a problem, but it did unify and galvanise teams because I got my point across. Yeah, they apologised, and from then on in, because it was a new bunch. And like you could talk about QPR, like Harry probably saying a bunch of lads trying to get a wish they were, you know, and stuff like that can galvanise them. 
You know, you can go into the paper tomorrow and go, look, lads, there you go. Now, you're going to make a mug on me by taking you away. Are you going to sort this one out? So there's always a method to the madness as well, you know? Yeah, the whole cliche about it being a results business, this QPR result is going to be very, very important for Harry Redknapp and, and for anybody who was on the, on the batter. It's, it sounds like it sounds like one of those kind of because Harry is kind of old school. It sounds like something like Brian Clough or someone would have done, you know, thinking outside the box. The one thing I don't understand about footballers when they go on the lash is why do they always go to the most obvious place? Where you get, I know a former Dublin player. I met him, a high-profile enough Dublin player that kind of burnt out by his mid twenties, and I, I was asking him what happened, and it was that he went like he went on he went on the beer, fair enough, but he went to what the hell did you call that place on Kildare Street? Um, the real Pegs? tacky. Cafe on Seine. I was like, Dublin, the city the size of Dublin, you could have gone virtually anywhere and gotten away with it. Instead, you go to like the most high-profile place in the whole city. Of course you're going to get caught. But isn't that the whole point of being a minor celebrity in a small town like Dublin? Yeah, Actually, you want to go there and and be seen by the few... I know, it just always seems to me that if you wanted to get away with it, you could do lots of other ways. Not not go to the old man pubs. No (laughs) no one ever gets caught in an old man boozer, do they? (laughs) It's not fashionable to be caught in Mulligan's pill you drink a pointer, you know, with Con Hillan many years ago. But yeah, but as you say, uh, Jerry, that's the thing, you know, the ego, coffee Mm -hmm. and sand, you know, I'm a bit of a celebrity but um, do they still do the whole going away for warm weather training in GA now or is it uh, yeah well I think a number of the county boards obviously due to money they've cut back on it you know like I mean everyone was doing it there for a while because some of the more high profile you know teams were winning all ours and saying oh yeah the trip away really helped but it does benefit a lot of them now would do it here in Ireland but it probably costs just as much but I, I, I genuinely think we went on a few and I'd have to say they were majorly majorly beneficial like I mean, I'm no money. Just I'm just taking that one aspect of it. But we actually then went on, we went on an official kind of night out. I remember we went with Sean Boylan, and uh, like I mean, you know, you work hard, you kind of you play hard to a certain degree. Like we go out and you know at night we'd uh, we'd have everyone have dinner together, and he would allow it. He'd say, look, if you want to have a few drinks, that's fine. But you're in bed by a certain time. You know, there's no one out till four or five yeah. in the morning, yeah. and you're back, and then you're up in the morning, and you're ready to go at eight o'clock. Yeah, and that's just the way it was. So he yeah. like he. Like I would, I, like I think if you say you can't, you can't, you can't. Like kids, you're gonna go okay, right? Let's try and bend the rules here a bit. But to be fair to him, he said, "Look, go do whatever you want to do, but you're in bed by twelve. You know, I'll be sitting kind of in reception." Now he didn't say that. Now it didn't stop a few lads getting course, in those windows, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But <laughs> there was nearly kind of sheets being laid down. <laughs> lads climbing up walls, side of walls to go back into the hotel room. But it, it, I must, it, it galvanized as we just said. It can be a stroke of genius, especially if you have a new team, a young team with kind of old members, um, and you're just not sparking for whatever reason. Like that year, we were beaten by Wexford in the last game in the league. We needed to, I think, only lose by six or seven points to avoid relegation, and Wexford beat us by something like 16. Mm-hmm. And I remember we pulled into a bar. Coyler said to me, what do we do here? And I said, he said, will we pull in? And I said, pull in for a pint on the way home. And we pulled in. We got the bus to stop. We pulled in, and we had about... we we'd a, a good bit of crack for about four or five hours. Lads forgot about it. Like you can imagine the depression. Like we yeah. were, we were, we were, we just, we couldn't get anything right, and it was all down to work rate. And I remember he showed the video on the Tuesday night of the game, and he picked me out first, and he said, "Look at that." And there was a certain thing where Matty Ford got a ball. I could have easily got back to him, but I just stopped. And he came, and actually, our goalkeeper made the save. And if I had even bothered. Even half pace to get back, I would have got the the rebound. Yeah, and I remember he just picked out he picked out every single player, and then we were pretty much ready to go on the Thursday, I think, to Portugal, 
and it set the tone for like there was skin and hair flying. I've never seen the amount of rows at a thing away. Like there was there was right from the moment the get go, everyone realised I can make this championship team. So he set the tone very well. Then we messed up, and he had then had another great thing to throw in front of us and he said well you, exactly like Roddy says you don't make a mug out of me so we hit that championship first game and we just like we we did really really well that year you know like I mean we, we, we over I'd say for that team we went way above where we should have went you know and you put that down to the man management I definitely put it down to whether whether you know I don't think it's a thing of he actually thought these things maybe he did think it true but it was just these things that fell into his kind of lap you know like I mean the Wexford thing you know on the spur of the moment he said I need to do something but to it's interesting he picks you out first as somebody who he knows can take it but also somebody who is, is in a position of responsibility for the group as well absolutely yeah yeah you know and he kind of said and like I mean he didn't tell me before and he picked me out and he went through me for a shortcut and I Put up my hand. I said, "You're absolutely right." I said, "I've I've no excuses for that," you know, because before, you know, in a team session like that, you have some lads kind of, you know, we used to watch videos, and he used to let it go, and he'd wait for you to go stop it there. I should have ran back there, you know, because everyone wants to see themselves on the ball, you know. Oh, yeah, geez, that was great. Like I kicked the score there. That yeah. was a great pass, but no one wants to say she didn't run back hard enough there. He didn't yeah. tackle, but. From that from that day on, he actually we ended up just taking responsibility. Now the video sessions ended up lasting about four hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, stop! I should have done this. Or but but it changed the mentality within the team massively. Really interesting stuff. Five three one six is the text number here. If um, you want to get involved, if you want to ask any of the lads uh, questions about <coughs> it, I just want to move on from um, from that because it's kind of a similar topic uh, with Rory McIlroy. He's in the front of most of the newspapers today for walking off the course yesterday the whole notion of being stuck in a rut he's just not playing well and now obviously the massive pressure comes on him uh, getting stuck in a rut Roddy it's kind of what QPR are trying to do as well going to Dubai to, to get out of the rut that they're stuck in Rory McIlroy needs a bit more than uh, a few nights on the piss it seems <laughs> yeah it happens in every sport mm. happens in life happens in everything you know uh, we call it a rut maybe he's getting a little bit complacent maybe you know his, his number one status at such a young age is starting to weigh on him it's a novelty when you when it comes it's like a young kid getting into a, into a team you know it, it's a novelty getting in off the bench then getting picked now and again suddenly he walks in and that's his jersey on the peg and then the pressure's on so there's going to be a, a, a dip and it's just going through a dip it's how you react to the dip is the is the answer how do you get out of the rut and every individual is different every team is different so you know what I mean? It's it's how you identify what's going on, and you know, reading the front of the paper, he had a two take. That that doesn't, you know, the, the perception of that for me is we were just tossed on the ball. Yeah, I, I was saying that I could, I um, I might not be an expert in golf, but I am. A, Pretty, I could give a course in, in giving excuses, and the, and the secret for excuses is this. I mean, the, the classic mistake people make is giving two excuses. Say you invite me to your birthday party, I say I can't go because I'm sick. And also, my grandmother died. And you go, well, if either one of those things was true, it, it would suffice on its own. So the fact, so I'm going to presume you're lying, and you'd be correct. But the mistake, he, the, he's coming to a place that's even worse, which is where you give one excuse, and then that excuse won't suffice because you can't say I'm, an, I'm that's not an adequate excuse. So you have to come up with a second excuse. Now, the, being an expert in this kind of thing, the only thing you can do there is give an excuse that's so humiliatingly embarrassing that not only will people understood why you lie. But also they won't ask any follow-up questions. So you need to, I think in that situation, the only one that gets them out of it is to go, um, I soiled myself out in the course. And uh, everyone will go, fair enough, look, for, you know, end of story, we'll drop it there. Because saying that you've got a toothache when you didn't mention it earlier, 
doesn't really wash. Yeah, having pictures of eating the sandwich as well, and mm. um, the, the first well, butcher but statements that, that came Karen, through were you know to go into a rut with sixty million in the bank is is not really you know too too pressurised. To, if you're in a rut in a job where you're going to get the second, you're going to get no wage, then you have a major problem. So maybe, you know, is the incentive to, the to get Elvis run. Is it, I don't know that much about golf. Is it down to the clubs? Could it be down to the clubs? Well, he said it's not. He said that uh, he's got the clubs sorted. Um, he has to say that because it's 250 no, million. Ca- can I just say something? It's 100% down to the clubs. 100% because I've been playing golf for 20 years and I'm crap. <laughs> You know, stepping up, stepping up. What know? I was wondering is, could you not, could you not like scratch off the the logo on his old clubs and like put on a Nike logo on it and just go back to the <laughs> well, way? No, you, you can do that. Yeah. That's called uh, what's called a replicate. <laughs> you can buy them as well. You know? Pretty but, much, um, you can though. So, I like, the, yeah. for example, the driver was a problem in the first tournament, but they've changed that, and the putter has also been a problem. And he's kind of changed that, and he says that it's all fine. Um, this week, Wozniacki was beaten by somebody ranked in the 180s in the world, which is her worst ever performance. Do you think they might be falling out? People are putting two and two together yeah. here. They well, haven't changed his girlfriend. Yeah, like I mean, it could be something like that. I'd say behind the scenes, you know, like I mean, yeah. he's still very, very young. Like I mean, they seem to be living in each other's pockets there for a while. He's 24 in May, so yeah, you know, yeah. And this, they were, this and, is the and, second great love of his life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like I mean, I'd say it's the thing about golf, and I'm not. I'm, Probably in your camp, Roddy, with regard to golf. But the one thing I do know is, like, I mean, the intense pressure that's on a golfer every shot, you know, like, I mean, you make one mistake, you're out of it between winning, obviously being in the top 10 and being out and you're not making any money. Um, The pressure that's on him now from by signing the night contract um, that won't help because the, you can imagine Nike are probably on the phone to him saying, oh, where are you off to next? And, you know, I'm, I'd say there's a grace period there, but they want results. You know, they don't want a fella who's finishing... Fifties or sixties, and are not making making the cut every every week. Yeah, mm. you He's know, Tiger could handle it to a certain degree, but then we also know what Tiger was at behind the scenes. Mm. So, like, I mean, it is it is a tricky, very very tricky situation for him, um, and it's it's new to him. And I'd say maybe something like that, some personal thing, could be happening, and it's just a bit of a meltdown for him. Yeah, because you just you know something there. You said uh, the night contract. It's about your performance on the course. Also, your performance as a human being, mm. and maybe to some. Would you see there was a bit one in the papers about the curse of Nike? And I know they were handpicking yeah, people from a large range, yeah. but still, it was like Lance Armstrong, yeah. Oscar Pistorius, um, who else was Marion Jones, all these yeah, people. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Tiger, we, obviously. We Tiger, do it obviously, right yeah. or something, whatever. Yeah. Tiger's doing all right for himself, though. In fairness, uh, there's there's some reports that he's about to buy the love of Elon back as well. Uh, it came from. Um, one of the American tabloids though, a couple of weeks ago. So well, I haven't, haven't seen that. But yeah, that, that's what ruined him getting caught acting the maggot. He was having a ball in his own life. Yeah. He, he was in his own mind. He was having a ball. He was winning everything. He was acting the maggot off the course. Everything was perfect. As soon as that was exposed, yeah. everything went pear shaped. So I don't know. He, I don't see why that was really. Right. I don't see why that was made such a big deal of. I mean, someone else we might be talking about later. I don't know, but I mean, it barely affected their game at all. Ryan Giggs. Why, why was why was Tiger Woods being unfaithful well, no, to wife? No, didn't really have anything to no, do with it. No, but the point I'm trying to make is... I'm being forced to apologise. Yeah, and, and in his own little happy world, Jerry, he was happy, he was brilliant on the golf course. Mm. Obviously, he was having a being off the golf <laughs> course and everything was great. Then he was caught exposed. Then he Sorry, went also, also, so the, the, his the, wife did try and beat him up <laughs> quite publicly. So maybe that... I'm you know. sure Ryan Giggs has said things yeah, behind he, the scenes as well. But what, but what he should do is get back with his wife and go back to the left hands and close and win everything. <laughs> <laughs> have one of those uh, open relationships like in uh, 
House of Cards. 53106 is the uh, text number here if you want to ask the lads any questions. Just a, a final point on getting out of a rut. Is it something that sportsmen can do? Is it, is it an easy enough thing? Like, Because if it was easy, then you know we wouldn't see these careers just disappear like no, they do no, in most no. sports. It's a test of character. That's the, that's the big thing. Like I mean, I think McElroy has the character to get out, get out of it, but um, it's a major test. Some fellas act. You'll find out the measure of them from this. You know, if if this persists, like I mean, the Masters are obviously coming up in April, is it? Yeah. Um, that'll be a massive, massive test for him. If he, especially if he's coming in the same kind of mental, you know, where he is at the moment. So that it's the test. Some fellas shy away from it, and you never see them again. You know, like I mean, a lot of people say, oh, like. In GAA, you know how come? How come this fella? There's always you always hear the brother back home who's better than the lad who's on the team, you know, because some fellas just mentally aren't strong enough. Because as Roddy said, when you're when you're trying to get there, you're a sub or you're on a panel. But then all of a sudden, when you get there and you're handed that and you have the responsibility that and it's yours to lose, some fellas don't handle that at all well. You know, they get into that position and they're kind of going. Uh-oh. And all of a sudden they're looking back over the shoulder rather than, you know, facing the guy or behind the guy. Because it's much easier to impress in a training session when you're n- nailing into fellas. But when you're the guy, I've often seen it. Fellas come, you know, they're substitutes. They're absolutely tearing into training sessions. Then they're given the jersey and they get as meek. You know, they're just they're kind of shy to go into themselves. And it's amazing. And you see them out in the pitch and you're kind of going... That, like I mean, what what, what was the change? That, that's why the development of young players is so important. How you do that? But just getting back to the point about the rut, we spoke about Torres before yeah. we came in. <clears throat> we talked about the rut. Well, Anthony identified something that possibly could change the rut for him. He needs to sign for a lesser team that's going to be defending a lot more to give space from the halfway line to the goal to expose. He's, he's unbelievable, blistering pace, and he needs time on the ball to go and finish his chances. And I don't think he's ever going to come over. With Chelsea, or I think he's better off. He goes on loan to a lesser club, yeah, or back to or Spain. A count, yeah, or yeah. a counter-attacking team that's going to give him that space from the halfway line to the goal, or at least to open his, you know, his legs and get there and finish the chances. Because, um, you know, that's something we spoke about earlier, and it's just something—a small little thing. Is he in a rut? No, he's trying really hard. He's fit. You can see he's frustrated. You can see he's down. Maybe just with the wrong team. You know? uh, Ken was talking on the football show a couple of weeks ago about a psychological survey about how golfers are far more likely to make putts that are to save par than they are to make putts that are for birdie that over the course of I don't know how many uh, putts they analyse from a certain set distance but it's a weird mindset that we have that it's far more difficult to protect something than it is to get something almost of equivalent value that's kind of the thing you're talking about yeah 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 absolutely it, it, it's, it's exactly that um, you know and I definitely think the Nike thing has just, you know, McIlroy seems like a very easy going type of fella, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're looking to achieve this thing. Um, I don't know if he was, but all of a sudden, you know, it, it, the 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 carrot is there. All of a sudden, he gets it. Um, he has it, and I'm not saying, but then maybe another little thing in his personal life happens, and all of a sudden, just the pressure just starts to slowly, slowly squeeze in on you. Like, I mean, you know, he's in a situation... Like, I didn't realise that, that there was a fine and everything involved if he didn't have yeah. a medical... I didn't realise the the implications of it. But he's, he's you know, I, I saw a quote from Ernie Els. Like, obviously, fellow professionals say, look, you tough it out. You know, you, you finish your 18. You, yeah. don't, you don't do what you, you just, he just did. So, um, it's obviously a big enough thing. It'd be like just walking off, I suppose, a pitch, well, you know. It's like, like the I mean, boxer and he getting to the top, winning the world title. I remember, you know... Uh, Getting to the world title, winning the world title is a massive challenge. I guess twice as hard when you get there, you know. Like the 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 
the pressure that's on. And it's like you're talking about the pressure in different situations. Like Stephen Cluxton when he kicked the, the point to, to win the All-Ireland. If that had been kicked to draw to get a replay, it's a different pressure. It's the same kick. It's the same angle. Everything's the same. So it's a mindset, you know, as you say, to, to, to achieve something from one situation, from a different mindset, how it can flip over. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's all hugely psychological. Hugely mm. psychological. We've uh, got to take a quick break. 53106 is the text number. The lads are staying with us. We've loads more to come, um, including the uh, issue at Rafa Benitez. News Talk Sport, Saturday, in association with UPC, the fibre power network with 50 meg broadband as standard. Our panel is uh, Roddy Collins, Anthony Moyles, and Owen Butler, and uh, we're talking now, I suppose, about Rafa. Um, did you make a. Did you think Rafa's rant was unbelievable, unprecedented? No, I, or? I, thought, I thought it was. Well, a couple of things. I, don't, I think you'd have to say, A, every single thing he said was completely tr- true, pretty much. So the only real question is whether it was wise to say it or not. Now, ordinarily you'd say it's not wise, but but this is a part- particularly uh, unusual situation where he has no designs, well, he may have had designs on the job long term, but they're gone and he, he, he recognises that. Also, I don't think any of the blame in this thing is really ever going to fall on him. It's the chaos that Chelsea is in. So he probably will escape with whatever reputation he has intact. So what he's really saying is, look, we're in this for the next three months. Even Abramovich isn't insane enough to replace me and bring in an interim interim manager. So let's that's, just, that's let's just see this time out. It's a high-stakes poker he, game he's playing with Abramovich. To, yeah, but the person to blame is Abramovich. Obviously, he can't say that. So he blames the fans. And I think it's... Really, really unusual. In fact, the only example I can think of of, of a manager attacking their own fans, well, I mean, barring the fans are ripping up the stadium or something, would be Paddy O'Shea, the late Paddy O'Shea, when he called the <clears throat> took on the Kerry fans. But that's about the only precedent I can think of. But I think it's completely deserved. I mean, um, the Chelsea the, fans deserve it. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're booing their own team. They don't like him because he used to manage another club. But well, so what? I mean, every single player in professional... Rafa, so- Rafa says they're booing their own team. But actually, they're booing their own team's manager. Which is mm. a subtle but important difference. So they're not booing yeah. Oscar the, and they're not yeah, yeah. booing... Yeah, but he's part of the team, Jay. I mean, the manager is a massive part of the team. However, the, the thing that I was educated on when I went to England to work as a manager was learn how to deflect. It's the most important thing. Blame the groundsman, blame the crowd, blame the bus driver, blame everybody. But yeah. don't get the, get the owners off yourself and get the folks off yourself. As Owen said, everything he said was correct. But why didn't he do it? I mean, why did he go in? Interim manager. I didn't know it was a mistake. Look, you're talking about excuses earlier. Yeah. Don't do that. You know, he's demeaning yeah. himself. I mean, I'm looking and going, hold on a minute. You were in the job. He had ideas. We're going to stay there long term. Can we go back to the fans thing? Because at what point are the fans allowed to voice their displeasure for how the team are performing or how a manager is performing? Well, if you have to go by the fans, and I'll give you one story at a club in England. If you go by the fans, you'll change your team every week, every five minutes, mm-hmm. because the fans' team will never win a again because the fans team never plays because everyone has different opinions who should be playing so the opinion of the fans uh, that it will come as a groundswell at certain times and you can't beat that you're gone you're finished but there was a time when Leighton Orient had a manager called Brush Brush was his name I don't, I don't remember the chap's first name and the fans were coming down on him big time and Barry Hanger on the centre circle with a, with a microphone he said I'll shut this club down before I sack the manager and he backed mm-hmm. them to the hilt and they only got two promotions back to back you sacked the next day <laughs> no, 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 no Anthony no they didn't they, they actually he took the fans on they galvanised everything so it's the fans 
the fans will buy into a weakness. No matter what it is, they will buy into a weakness. And if they see the manager's weak, they'll give it to the manager. If it's Torres next week, which he got it, they'll give it to him. The fans just have to do something. But the fans are cheering about, so they might as well boo, you know? Yeah, the fans are right about Torres. He shouldn't be in the team. Like, at this stage, they, they have a better player who they've just signed on the bench who would improve the team. It's it's not mm. like they're yeah, always... Yeah, they should be building bail, Abramovich then. But they're not. We were talking about this before. Yeah. They're not going to... I mean, given all that he's he's paid into the club, they're not going to boo him. So, so yeah, he's he's pretty secure. Who's the player on the bench that's better than Torres? Uh, bah. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. But yeah. I, the one thing I think is that in, in, in football is that the fans never get criticised because ultimately they pay everyone including the pundits everyone their wages are paid by the fans but the fans aren't above criticism I mean they, the the way that the soccer fans are in the UK is really really kind of awful in the in the tribal way that they, they follow a club and that's never criticised I mean I can think of loads of examples but probably the most egregious one is it's always mentioned whenever they talk about Hillsborough that Edinburgh the, that Everton fans like put reeds down for the Liverpool f- uh, people that fans that died as if this was this magnificent gesture on their behalf actually they're taking credit for that. doing something that anyone else would regard as the most simple basic human thing could you imagine if in the GA if something like that happened think of um, let me think like Tyrone there have been a couple of tragedies there could you imagine if, if an Armagh fan or a Dublin fan was looking for kudos for the fact that they sympathised with, with Tyrone in, in, you know, in the time of tragedy of course they wouldn't there's an awful awful tribalism that infects Fans of UK clubs, and I think it is time that someone had a go at it. You know, but, but uh, <laughs> Rafa's just trying to do a job. You, you, you know? pick up the paper on a Monday morning, and you'll see a row in some pub somewhere in Ireland mm. after a football match. Some Man United fella arguing with Liverpool yeah. fella. It happens all the time. It's unbelievable. But how come? How's it that in GA you can sit next to the person? The, fa- the fans aren't segregated at all. You can sit next to the person. No. All the violence takes and place and on rugby, the pitch. And you know? as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been on Hill 16 with Mead supporters mm. and mm. they were ripped apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Hill is the, the, hill is the only exception. And, 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 you know, Anthony as well <laughs> and the whole team and the referee. And the best place to be as a yeah. dub is on the Hill because yeah. the dubs are never wrong. No matter how wrong we are, I, we're never I wrong. You know? in Crow Park and I know, I know all the fans and, and the Dublin fans are the, the exception. Every other... Because the Dublin fans travel in large groups of young guys and they may have had a few pints before the game. Every other supporter is families, it's, it's fathers, grandfathers and kids. And they sit next to each other. And there's, I've never once in the whole time I was there did I ever see any trouble in the, you know, at the very know, most, yeah. it, you, you know, maybe a bit of slagging. but a bit nothing, of variable, yeah. yeah, yeah, not, yeah. No, there's not even, not even, like, I mean, you don't even get it with the Dublin fans saying. I'll, I'll always remember, just to, just to say, I remember we were pulling out I think we were after playing Dublin in the one of the Leinster Championship replays. We um, it was a great game. We came back. Keane Ward, I remember, kicked came off the bench in in in, in the first game and kicked three or four. He kicked a sideline, I think, to level the game. And uh, we lost the replay by a point or two. But I remember we were coming out. I'm anyway, depressed. Coming out on the team bus and we're coming out of Crow Park, and as the the bus is trying to make the lights. Uh, it's just coming out of Crow Park because it doesn't, of course, make the lights. And as we're sitting at the lights, we look, and here's a beer garden. I can't remember the exact <laughs> pub there, and it is absolutely full to the gills with Dublin supporters. <laughs> so we're all trying to look <laughs> to the right of the bus, <laughs> making sure. Oh, please don't let them see who's on the bus. So of course, then of course they noticed like Joe Sheridan or something, and bang, that was it. They were. It was nearly like it was like they were nearly swarming all over the bus, and we were roaring at the bus driver, just break the lights, <laughs> break the lights. Oh, it was unbelievable. 
was a good crack though. Wasn't oh, it actually was. It yeah, was kind of, we actually yeah. got a bit of a laugh. Well, no, the, the football, the soccer thing, I don't know where it comes from. It might be in a Celtic Rangers games and you'd have to go, you know, in, in half of the cup finals, you'd go that way and they go that way, you know, but just... Is the tribalism, attraction, you know? is the tribalism not kind of the point of it? Is that not almost half the attraction? No, that this uh, is I... I I am the biggest fan of the Premiership that maybe there's ever been, and I t- never supported a team, and I can enjoy it as entertainment without having to think. Because I mean, the, the but f- you are unusual in that. Like, I, under, I understand if that. If you'd but been born in Manchester or Liverpool or wherever, then you you would support them the way you support Mayo, for example. Yeah, that's true. But even when I'm going, like I'm going to see Mayo later on. I don't have this thing where, if like the classic example of soccer is time wasting, where if you're doing it, it's good. If the opposition are doing it, you're like screaming as if this person is. And an inability to recognise the hypocrisy in that, you know, being fair-minded. The the like the. Do you ever talk to like a Liverpool or, or United fan, or, or uh, where they like refer to the other as scum? You know, yeah. And you're thinking, what are you talking about? It's just someone who likes a football team. Why are you calling them scum? And that's. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, you can think, enjoy soccer without buying into that. Yeah, but I, th- I think I think it comes down to a kind of an identity thing, you know. Like I mean, there's like I think if we, if we, if we you were not going to crack this today, you know, because <laughs> this could go on for hours, you know. But I think Benitez has said probably something that a lot of managers wanted to say now. Mm-hmm. And as you said, he was in the position where he could say it. He was in a very, very yeah. cosy position. He's going well. Actually, I have nothing to lose here. And whether he said it now or whether he said it in a couple of weeks. Didn't really make a difference. He will face the backlash from them today. In fifteen minutes' time, the will, Chelsea fans will. Yeah, but like I mean, they're not they're hard, like I mean, Bardi run onto the pitch and they assault him, you know, and then yeah. your man's just going to get. It's like so he he's he's still in a relatively like he'll. I don't know if he lives in England. He, he, you know, he'll at the end of the year, as you said, his CV is only going to be more embellished if he actually does something with Chelsea. But, but when you think about it, you know, and you're in the dugout, you're a manager, and you know. Uh, there's a, group, a crowd of support saying, give us a wave, Riley, Riley, give us a wave. And I'm going, give us a wave. <laughs> What's that on about? Roddy, Roddy, give us a tenner. Oh, Roddy, Roddy, will you buy us all a drink or something? <laughs> give us a wave. <laughs> you know? So when you think about that, I mean, supporters are mad. Yeah. Mad, yeah, like, I mean, you see fellas in jerseys, and I see fellas going to the local pub, that man, you know, your jerseys and the big belly sticking out, the scarf, and they're up there, and they're marching up to have a feed of gargling. They wouldn't know a ball, and I felt my hand out, you know what I mean? And they go in there, then they go to work the next day, I walked on building sides with fellas, and they wouldn't talk to each other. I'm not talking to him, Liverpool beat United yesterday, not done. I go, you know. So, like, fans, as per se, like, they're all mad. Yeah. You know, they are mad, like, you know, to spend all that money to go and say, give us a wave, you know. <laughs> spend 40 quid in some gobshite in a dugout you want them to wave over you know but it's mad but it's great like you know we're, we're all mad in our own little way on so yeah. you know you choose not to support the Premier League team and I don't support the Premier League team yeah. I pick a team like QPR at the moment you know something yeah. different and hope they survive for Harry Redknapp so I'd be, I'd be a bit like you yeah. I, I mean like my kids be watching the telly We've one little fella and he watches Man United and if the other team score, I go, yes! He's run out of the house. I'm not <laughs> talking to you, Dad. And he doesn't really care, but it's, uh, I don't know what it is. It's just pure madness, isn't it? A couple of quick texts. Anthony played under Banty when the fans wanted him out. Does it affect the players, as Rafa says? Um, does it affect the players? It can and it can't. You know, like, I mean, I think last year was a tricky enough situation for the me team as regards the whole thing. I think it really got to a head last year more so than the first year when I was there um, 
You know, again, yeah, players will, especially locally, you know, in GAA. That's the thing in GAA. You kind of, you go down, say, to your local club and there's fellas talking to you saying, you know, what's he doing? What's this fella at? And it can kind of get inside, inside your head and all of a sudden then a few bad apples within the squad and all of a sudden you've get, you get half the team pulling with the manager, half the team pulling against the manager. That's the end of that, really. That, that is the end of that yeah, you're like I mean you are done and especially if you end up it's even worse than if you get a management situation where some of the management which was there under, under with the me thing in the last few years where some managers are at one end of the pitch and the other management team are down the other end of the pitch and the players just get onto that and it's just like oh we're it, finished it, it's mob rule Ger that's what it is and I mean even the fan base on mm-hmm. in any club where there's Gaelic or whatever a little group will start and then it will grow and players will become part of the mob that's for sure I've seen it yeah. You know, oh, the 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 consensus is the manager's going right. Well, I'm looking at myself. I'm going to be still here. I have to appease these people. I'm with you, and yeah. they be in the bar talking. The manager's this, and you know the funny thing for me, asking players about managers, current players about like in, asking international players about Trapattoni, or asking players about Harry Redknapp that's in the club. Yeah, are you going to tell the truth? No, are you for <laughs> but, real? Yeah, uh, Harry's great. Trapattoni's great. And then mm. you know, but you can you, you can tell the difference between and genuine praise at the same time. You know. Like Andres Villas-Boas at, at Chelsea, do you support the manager? You know the players that say, yeah, yeah. Compared to the way that Spurs players talk about him, where you can tell it's genuine, you know. So obviously they're all they're yeah, going it's to, genuine. I mean, yeah, you can, but you can read forward. between the shades of the, of the yeah, answers. Yeah, the, the unprompted stuff is always very helpful, as opposed to the <laughs> stuff where you, so yeah. this manager. It's, it's like Andy said earlier. I took a player off once, and 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 he said to me, "That was a record." And Andy says, "Yeah." Till he walked behind you, back at the love and here we had to say it. That's, that's the nature of the, of the beast. Yeah, uh, Roddy. Everybody wants to know about. Um, Steve and Roy Jones Jr. During the week, it looked like Roy Jones was saying he's going to fight uh, somebody else other than. I can fight who he wants. He's done it all his life. You know, it's just, it's just, it's unfortunate. You know, like that you have to get to forty-seven years of age to to even contemplate getting back into a ring. Do you think it'll happen? I think it'll happen. Yeah, I think it'll happen. Yeah. Well, if it's down to Steve, it'll happen, and it would happen here now. It would happen in in the car park here, yeah. And it's not for money. We do pay per view though. We definitely try and make it. Well, 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 well. (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah. Like I I spoke to Stephen today, but you know, you know, I said Stephen. He says, "Rod, look, it's not a comeback. In in effect, it's it's in the ring, but it's not a comeback. I don't need the readies, you know. But something's just drive me mad." And it has been, and I and I've been actually in this company when we approached Roy Jones in Vegas one night uh, after a fight, and Stephen went up and confronted him in front of everybody and at a press conference, and he said, "I'm going to fight you. You're my next opponent." And we came away, and, brilliant. This is what you want because it was over for Stephen. He fought and he couldn't get motivated. And the Kalzaki one just couldn't get motivated, and he was going to be taken. His, his type was going to be taken off him anyway because it had to be kept in a certain camp. Mm-hmm. So Stephen wasn't going to be allowed to keep that and lose to Roy Jones. But anyway, so. It's just something, yeah. I don't know. It's it's the nature of the beast, and you know, I I, I back him a million percent. I, I hope Roy Jones refuses, 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 doesn't get the ring for 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 obvious reasons. And then for Stephen's sake, you know, he has to do it. You know, he has to do it, Jerry. And that's it's a pity he had to come to this stage. In his Sorry, life. You, you kind of don't want it to happen, but you do want it to happen. Is that what you're saying? But for Stephen, for Stephen, you know, for him, he has to put this to bed. You know, and it's it's it may sound silly to us sitting here and people in the house are a load of crap and it's this and it's that but honestly you have to understand the nature of Stephen and what, what he tried to achieve as a fighter and that's the only one that, that got away whether he won or lost it wouldn't matter but it got away and it's still there you know so for that reason he has to do it because he's bored he he doesn't need the red he's, he, do, he has loads of things going on in his life but that's something that just he wants to do the other side of the coin is 
he's the champ. He'll always be the champ when he comes into our house and my ma's sitting there and we look at him and my kids look at him and they look at him on the telly. He's the champ. And I would hate to think that someone that's been active, if it did go against him. Now, Stephen would absolutely cut my head off for, for even contemplating that it could go against him. But and he's possible in the ring, uh, I, I, would be, I would be sad for Stephen, you know. But he doesn't care. Maybe so what, you know. Lads, we're out of time. Thanks very much. Great panel this Saturday afternoon. Anthony Moyles, Owen Butler and Roddy Collins. It'll be available for download on iTunes inside the next 15, 20 minutes or you can get it, of course, on the Newstalk website. Just go to newstalk.ie and it's on the playback media player. Thanks, lads.